You're listening to East of the Rockies, the Michigan Student Softball Podcast on WCBN Sports. Well, Mr. Burns had done it. The power plant had won it. With Roger Clemens clucking all the while. Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile. While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile. We're talking softball. From Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Manningly and Canseco. Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer. Ozzy and the Straw. Welcome to East of the Rockies Season 4, Episode 3 now on the Young uh, 2020 campaign. I'm Alex Drain, uh, joined today just by Morris Favre over the phone. Uh, he was at the Chapel Hill Tournament, so uh, on tap today we're probably going to break down Chapel Hill. We'll talk briefly about what went down in the sort of Clearwater Mega Tournament organized by ESPN, and then we will get into a brief preview of the upcoming weekend down in Columbia, South Carolina for the Michigan softball program. Uh, first things first, uh, 9-0 start. How about that, Morris? Uh, it's couldn't be much better. Fair, fair way to say it. So you were at the Saturday game, if I remember correctly. I was, yeah, at a Friday full of meetings, and Sunday I was uh, hungover. Um, but... <laughs> Saturday, I had big plans. It was a beautiful, sunny day. Um, I took a friend who had never, didn't have much experience watching uh, ball and stick sports, so I got to explain the whole time. And uh, it was a, a fun game to watch. You know, lasted a crisp two hours and like five minutes, and Megan Bobian was just locked in the whole time. Yeah, and that was the only game on the weekend that didn't have a sort of relief pitcher switch. Um, Bowian just kind of cruised that whole game. Uh, how did she look in, in terms of her viewers who didn't get to see it? Well, she looked dominant. I think through the first six innings, the only hit on the board for UNC was an infield single to Natalia Rodriguez. Um, there were some kind of hard-hit balls, loopers, that the that the defense handled pretty well. She was also you know, let down by the defense a couple times on some bunts where, you know, maybe Taylor Bump and Lou Allen came together and neither really took charge of the situation. Um, but yeah, she wasn't like overpowering. The uh, The changeup was as good as ever. She really pulled the string uh, on a number of hitters. And also Bobian has been really good about avoiding issuing free passes, especially this weekend. And uh, on Saturday when she missed the zone, if she did, she wasn't missing by much. So she didn't give UNC anything. The defense didn't give them much. Um, and yeah, I think the outfield probably got pretty bored and cold by the end of the game. Um, so you mentioned Taylor Bump briefly in that defensive section. Obviously, she's new to third base. I watched her a little bit in Tampa playing it at third. What was your review uh, of her defensively at the hot corner? Well, she made a nice sort of over-the-shoulder catch ranging out into shallow left. Um, I don't know whether I would blame her for the uh, the little bunt miscommunication between her and Lou Allen. 
aside from that, like she didn't get a, a ton of action. Um, she laid down a tag on, a, I think, a sack fly to short right where Juju Jimenez turned in one hop to throw to her. Uh, it was a bang-bang play. A tag wasn't in time, but that like that looked crisp enough. Uh, I'd say the reviews are, are inconclusive. I think there might have been an error in the first inning that I missed uh, because I wasn't at the field yet. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't see any evidence that she's like overwhelmed to be down there at the hot corner. Well, it's definitely uh, reassuring to hear. Now, in that game, Michigan scores four runs, two of which off of Imena's doubles. You in the chat mentioned that those were very close to being homers. Do you still stand by that statement? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my memory can be a bit hazy, but no, Juju Jimenez was scalding the ball. The first one actually bounced upward off of the top of the wall in, I think, right center field and then was caught in the air before it hit the ground by the, the, the center fielder for UNC. And the other hit sort of the middle of the wall in the air. Yeah, she was absolutely scalding the ball. And with a couple more feet on either of them, she would have two home runs on the season. I, I guess she was quiet over the rest of the weekend. But, I mean, she was certainly seeing the ball well on Saturday. And that's obviously uh, good to hear uh, for all Michigan fans. Michigan wins that game 4 nothing. They beat North Carolina the preceding day 4-3. Uh, to three. As a quick recap of that one, uh, they got some help from some poor defense, but surrendered uh, a two-run homer to Brittany Pickett, um, and then a tying run to, to Perkins to make it 3-3 for most of the game. It was tied at 3, and then in the top of the 7th, uh, Lexi Blair came through with what the softball UMish softball Twitter account basically said was um, would have scored two runs if it had gotten through, but this, the shortstop kept it in the infield, but it was a pretty clean single. Um, that made it 4-3. to Storacco came in in relief of Bobian in this game, pitched six innings, one hit, two walks, 13 strikeouts in six <laughs> innings, just one run surrendered. She moved to 4-0. and um, Hannah George started this game for Carolina. She was yanked very quickly in the first inning. For Brittany Pickett, who was an excellent pitcher a year ago, uh, Pickett uh, started the first three and the third innings, if that's correct, in the game you were at. Um, did you? What did you think of Michigan's plate approach against Pickett? Um, I didn't have any bones to pick. Uh, there were a couple of check swing strikeouts that I took issue with, one of which was Lexi Blair. Um, and I vehemently argued with the home plate umpire that he should have appealed down to, to third base, insisting that he didn't have a great view of the play. Um, and Carol Hutch and I was down the third baseline and Carol Hutchins told me to, or said, Hey, 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 like telling me to calm down and, <laughs> and stop heckling the poor man. Uh, so <laughs> aside from like a little bit of rage at the umps, I didn't think they were, you know, overly aggressive or anything. They, they make good contact with the ball throughout the game. And again, Juju Jimenez came uh, a few feet away from a couple of long balls. So uh, no complaints. It was kind of a chilly day, so maybe the ball wasn't traveling the way it it will later in the season. Um, but yeah, they definitely did enough to win, given how Bobian was looking in the circle. So Michigan I'm sorry wins. That I don't have any hotter takes than this. <laughs> um, so Michigan wins that game, uh, and they go to 2-0 and against Carolina. They also played two games 
against Louisville. The first game on Friday seemed to be pretty boring by all accounts from the sort of box score. Michigan got um, a bunch of runs early in the game. They went up 4 nothing by the end of the third. Lou Allen and, and Maddie Uden both have RBI doubles. Um, and Starocko pitches the first four innings, is a little all over the place with four walks and five hits. Gives up a two-run homer to Taylor Roby, who had a pretty nice weekend for the Cardinals. That made it 4-2. to two. Bobian came in and was able to shut that game out, uh, picking up a save, allowing just one hit and six strikeouts in three innings. Michigan poured a couple more runs on, thanks to a Hannah Carson single and a Haley Hoganrod single. Michigan won that one 6-2. to two. Just seemed pretty boring by all accounts from, from the box score and the summary. But the game on Sunday, that one um, appeared to be quite the, the stressful stressful game. Um, in this one, you have, again, Starocko kind of wild. Four hits, one walk through two innings, two runs surrendered. Um, Lou Allen got an RBI single. Taylor Roby came back with a three-run homer. Thais Gonzalez single and Haley Hoganrod, and then Taylor Bump swatted her second long ball of the year to make it 4-3 to three Michigan. Bobian was never really locked in in this game, ends up hitting a batter with the bases loaded to make it a tie game at 4-4, but the story of it was, was Lauren Essman in her second career at bat, her first career hit. She came up with the bases loaded and nobody out in the top of the six, and she hit a grand slam. And, you know, again, timely hitting and resilience for Michigan uh, was the story, and, and Bobian able to, to close it down, but Michigan hit a couple home runs in this game, and obviously it doesn't get much better than than a, a home run for your first career hit if you're Lauren Esman, eh? Yeah, you know, uh, Hutch does this stuff in the early seasons, like uh, making decisions like, for example, last year I think she took some flack from some unnamed people for giving Mac Nemitz an extended look and by the end of the season, she turned out to be a pretty significant contributor to the team. At the beginning of this season, uh, I think some of us, uh, some of us in the studio, maybe questioned Thais Gonzalez's consistent place in the starting lineup. Uh, but she had a, a few clutch hits, RBIs over the course of the weekend. She's hitting three sixty eight on the season. You know, Lauren Essman comes in to pinch hit. Maybe you, maybe. You know, us fans who don't watch practice might prefer a different pinch hitter in a key moment with an undefeated season on the line. And, you know, lo and behold, she uh, she hits it out of the park. I mean, this is either it's either that, you know, Hutch knows her team better than we do, <laughs> or it's all sort of a random number generator uh, of, a, of a sport. I mean, I might <laughs> sometimes I feel like I lean more toward the latter, but the objective truth is more likely the former. Yeah, so an interesting thing was I went back and looked at my notes from the fall, and I remember Esmond hit a ball hard in the fall, and indeed she hit one, and the game I did at Alumni, it came like a few feet short of being a home run, um, and then she hits a homer here. She really does seem to have the power. She hit quite a few homers in high school, um, and it'll be interesting to see how, how they decide to use her um, moving forward. And obviously Taylor Bump, two-run homer in this game. Taylor Bump just looks like a totally different hitter. This is something that Charlie and I talked about after Tampa. Did you seem to notice her different plate approach? I mean, she just seems more patient to me from when I've seen her. Yeah, yeah, she was. She drew a few walks in the in the game that I saw, if I recall correctly. It's kind of funny how... Sorry, my email makes noise sometimes. <laughs> uh, 
it is kind of funny how little information we have to to inform our scouting. Like, you know, Lauren Esman hit a ball hard once back in the fall, and now <laughs> she hits a grand slam, and that's going to color the way we think about her. Uh, we in the booth and maybe some people in the stands uh, until she has a big old body of work to either back up or dispute those those perceptions. Like I, I've seen, you know, we had a whole season of Madison Yudin, a couple seasons of her being really promising and now a couple seasons of her striking out a lot. And now we have a weekend where she has a couple clutch hits and a game where she strikes out a bunch. It's like, it, it really is hard to parse. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, with Lauren Espen, there's just to me the question of, you know, if when do they get her opportunities to swing the bat, you know? And because you have this heralded freshman class that comes in, but right now the offense is playing pretty well. You already kind of have an overflow among bats between the bump and, and you know, Uden tandem. And if, if Tyce Gonzalez is holding down right field, you know, when is the opportunity to get Espen more at bats? It's probably not going to be in the next few weeks. Um, probably, I don't know, maybe when they come back to alumni, but we want to see more of her. We want to see more of these, these players coming off the bench, but you know, it doesn't hurt to have a lot of good bats to, to go to. Yeah, hopefully everybody will get opportunities, uh, but it it's just happens to be the case that Michigan's offense, while consistently good enough to win as you need to be to get to 9-0, and hasn't really exploded outside of that game against Florida in Tampa. So uh, that's like, you know, necessarily going to limit who makes their way into the lineup and uh, the only way to, you know, kind of push through uh, uh, that that layer of starting players is to capitalize on the opportunities when you get them. And, you know, Lauren Essman did just that. Also, uh, I don't think we talked much about Haley Hoganrod aside from mentioning her, but she's leading the team in batting average and her, is getting on base 58% of her at-bats against some pretty formidable competition i don't know if that that's not something i really expected coming into the season i don't know how long it's going to play out but uh i don't know if i have more confidence in any michigan hitter going to the plate right now than than Haley hoganrod yeah i mean she's been she's been terrific and you, and you do kind of wonder if she's going to get moved up the lineup a little bit more towards the middle i mean lou allen and overitis can't be moved i don't think from three four but maybe you hit Haley two and bump Jimenez down a little bit i'm not sure but uh, if she continues to to be a 550 on base player, you know if she's gonna need to get a few more at bats. Um, there's just no way around that. So, yeah. I, th- I think Hutch tends to, uh, you know, not not all the time, but when she can, she'll utilize sort of a if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of approach. I, I think of Abby Ramirez, who is consistently one of the team leaders in batting average, always hitting at the bottom of the lineup because it forms sort of this nine one punch with like Sierra Lawrence at the top of the lineup. So, I mean, if Michigan keeps winning, you know, I, I don't know if she moves Hogan rod up from like the, the six or seven spot in the lineup, but we'll see. Uh, all these 2015, 16 references. You're oh man. The team's good. You're the really team, a boomer I now. <laughs> Why not bring it back? I'm old man. So, um, that, concludes our wrap-up from the weekend just 
briefly looking over stats right now, Hoganrod leads in on-base and batting average. Uh, Overright is second in both of those categories. Um, Lou Allen, 321 average for 12 on-base. She's been pretty good so far. I mean, the lineup, as you mentioned, they haven't really broken out yet, but at the same time, they've also played pretty good competition thus far. I mean, the thing that I sort of noticed when the schedule was first released is that if you look at a lot of these teams that don't seem like marquee opponents, right, not the Washingtons or the UCLAs, but teams like Louisville, teams like Fresno State, I mean, those are all top 60-ish RPI teams last year. Um, and that's the case again this coming weekend, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, the teams they're playing, even the ones that aren't the marquee opponents, are still not doormats. They were teams that either made the tournament or were on the fringe of that. And so they just really haven't gotten a big a big break thus far. Um, and they aren't going to get one for a while. So they have been in a lot of close games, but they found ways to win close games. And that's what good teams do. They battle and they grind and... and that's what the squad did this this weekend. That's what we hope to see moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And even the team, even among the teams that are doormats, you know, I maybe maybe go by different words. But like, for example, Texas played North Texas, the University of North Texas yesterday. This is a, a Texas softball team that's just barnstormed every team that they've played so far this season. And North Texas took them to nine innings. Yeah, uh, Texas won. Uh, I th- I think three two with a walk off, but you know every game is is a battle. Every game, you know, things can happen. Your bats can have an off night, and yeah, you can't ask for much better than than nine and zero. I I would agree. So also, also before we move on, uh, one highlight was that uh, from the game was Hannah Carson with a caught stealing down at second base. She's got a rocket behind home plate. That's probably one of the few times I'm going to get to see that in action until the games get broadcast on, on Big Ten Network. But I don't think that UNC attempted another stolen base. Well, they didn't have a lot of base runners to work with. <laughs> uh, no other stolen bases unless there were runners at the corners. Well, it helps to have a good arm down there, and, and it looks like Michigan does. Um, one other thing with regards to stats is that um, this will be featured in an article which will be published on MGO blog for those now listening. I have been added to write a weekly softball article on MGO blog. So if you are an MGO reader, then you will finally get the long-awaited softball coverage. Um, so check it out. But I basically note that if you look to last year, Michigan was 4-5 and five at this juncture. Uh, Bovian's ERA was th- 3.0. Uh, so, uh, Straco's was over 2. Um, this year, their ERAs are 1.75 and 1.70, respectively, and the team is 9-0. and um, The pitching has been better since, uh, from the jump this year. And, you know, you saw this weekend how in some of the games, Bobian would start, but she'd struggle and Storaco would come in to shut it down or Storaco would start and struggle and Bobian would come in to shut it down. And, you know, right now, this is just two two uh, pitchers that are picking each other up. And that is that's huge for this team. Yeah, I do have to acknowledge I predicted that we would see some Chandler Dennis this past weekend did not come to be. Um, but I'm happy because the reason we didn't see any Chandler Dennis is because <laughs> Straco and Orbobian were locked in every game. Uh, still a bit of trouble with the long ball, I guess. I don't know what the value of that is analytically. Like it's not like they're the the pitchers are out here trying to give up home runs, but uh, all but two runs this past weekend were were scored via home run. So yeah, let's uh. 
let's hope that less of that happens <laughs> and more of the good pitching happens. Yeah, That's def- my opinion. definitely the the walks um, and the and the home runs need to be reined in. I mean, otherwise, though, if the ball isn't leaving the yard, there really isn't a ton of other hard contact. Um, walks have been a bigger issue besides uh, home runs at this juncture. Um, for for the team. Also, one quick thing with the stats: Have you seen the strikeouts that Starocco now has uh, compared to her innings pitch number? Uh, yeah, it's almost two to one. <laughs> yeah, sixty-two strikeouts to thirty-three innings. Which, That's really unfair to her defense, man. It really, it's just absurd. Um, Doesn't let the defense get in a rhythm at all. It's it's kind of selfish, and I think she should work <laughs> on it. So, um. That was that was the weekend. Uh, now we'll talk very quickly about the Clearwater tournament uh, that went down um, there, and they played a bunch of games at a bunch of different fields. And I was sort of following this all weekend long. I watched a couple of the games um, over the weekend because uh, we got to learn a lot of things about some of the teams that Michigan will be seeing. Um, the biggest thing I think that I took away is that UCLA is the team to beat. Um, Again, this year, obviously, they won the title last year, but they had an excellent weekend. They beat Georgia by five. They uh, beat Liberty by eight, who Michigan's going to play this weekend. They beat Alabama by seven. They beat uh, Florida State in a pretty dramatic game um, to conclude the tournament, but they also beat USF by 13 runs. I mean, they, they look really good right now. And yeah, there was a little dispute in our in our group chat over whether Florida State should have beaten them. Yeah, uh, game Sunday. There was a weird play where there were two on two outs. UCLA was down one, if I remember correctly, and Aaliyah Jordan hit a ball to the wall, and the right, the left fielder tracked it pretty well, and it had it in its in in her glove for a second, and then she slammed into the wall, um, and it seemed like she might have misplayed it, but it it was pretty tough. She ran out of real estate. And when she hit the wall, the ball popped out of the glove and two runs scored, and, and that ended up being the difference for UCLA. So it was not an easy play to make, but you definitely think she could have could have done that one better. Yeah, a uh, lot easier said than done, but just given like the ball was at about her chest level when she reached out and, and initially corralled it, which means that she probably could have slowed down, stopped a bit shorter of the wall. But, you know, that's something outfielders practice is – tracking the exact distance between where they stand, where the wall is while tracking a ball in the air. But when you're doing that at full sprint (laughs) under the lights in the heat of a moment uh, with a ball, that's not, you know, just kind of tossed up there by your coach. It's a, an entirely different equation. And yeah, it looked like she at least got the wind knocked out of her by the wall. So I'm sure she's a little, a little disappointed. I, I don't know the name of the left fielder, but uh, yeah, it was it was a tough play uh, and a well hit ball by Leah Jordan. Um, also, Washington had a embarrassing game against Alabama, where they got the pants beaten off of them. But otherwise, they did the same to Florida State. They handled Liberty. They uh, beat South Carolina. They beat Texas Tech. They're up to the top three or four in most polls. Um, they look pretty good. Michigan will see them next weekend. And FSU kind of struggled. They lost that game to UCLA. They also dropped a pair of games to Minnesota and Northwestern, which, speaking of which, 
Uh, Minnesota kind of struggling with the bats right now. They beat Florida State, but they were shut out by Oklahoma State. They scored just one run against Virginia Tech and lost. They did manage to to beat Missouri in a run rule, so they had a mediocre weekend. Um, I think they definitely have room to improve. Northwestern uh, lost to Georgia. They beat Kansas, beat Florida State, and lost to Virginia Tech. So the Big Ten team struggled uh, against the Hokies over the weekend. You say Northwestern beat Florida State? They did beat Florida State. Both Minnesota and Northwestern beat Florida State. Florida State had a, had a rough weekend. Yeah, seems like it. Um, Texas Tech is a team Michigan will see next weekend. They beat South Carolina. They lost to James Madison. They beat did, they beat Georgia. They lost to USF. Speaking of USF, they finally got some wins. So that, I guess, doesn't look like as... I mean, it looks like a better win than maybe it did last weekend. Um, USF beat Texas Tech and Georgia. So a lot of teams just kind of felt each other out. But um, the big takeaway from the weekend is that um, in one of the polls, I think it was Softball America, uh, Michigan's three marquee opponents over the SoCal trip are now the top three teams in the country. I believe it's UCLA 1, Texas 2, Washington 3, and Michigan will see all those teams in the next two weeks. So uh, it's going to be a fun little stretch upcoming. Fun. I think Texas is a paper tiger, uh, but the the other two, the other two might not be. They might be real tigers with sharp claws and sharp teeth. <laughs> um, the thing about it, you know, the honest truth is that even if Michigan goes and plays those games, they lose all three. You know, it doesn't. I mean, the worst thing about it is that you lost a couple games. You know, the best thing is it boosts your strength of schedule. I mean, you know, there's no shame in losing to those teams, and Michigan should look forward to having the opportunity to, to play them. Um, most of the polls have moved Michigan into the top 10 now. Um, I think there were two putting them 8th, one putting them 6th, and one putting them 11th. But they're right now on the, on the verge of entering the top 10, and they're one of only four teams, along with UCLA, Texas, and Oregon, who have not lost a game yet and are in the top 25. So hot start so far, and, and the next couple weeks are going to be Real telling, at least the the Judy Garman tournament in Fullerton, California. Does this mean the locus of softball power has moved back west of the Rockies from the SEC? Is the SEC era done? I don't know. I maybe. <laughs> like you know, Bama has has been kind of underwhelming. Georgia lost to to Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah, like Florida obviously is. I mean, you know, Michigan just beat the tar out of them and you know n- none of the teams i've mentioned have come from west of the rockies but like you know the pac-12 and texas seem to be how about we go with west of the mississippi because if if you move it to there then you get to include texas texas tech oklahoma minnesota <laughs> so let's let's go with west of the mississippi minnesota i need to i need to know my uh my land and water marks better <laughs> The Mississippi runs between Wisconsin and Minnesota, then down between Iowa and Illinois, down between Missouri and Illinois, Arkansas and Tennessee, Louisiana and Mississippi. Do you know that off the top of your head? Yes. Nerd. <laughs> I believe you go to Duke. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's east of the Mississippi, right? <laughs> not a not a big geography guy? Nah, man. Who needs that? <laughs> We'll, we'll just well we have a very geography themed podcast title to begin with. I study but. ethics. We don't have to deal with the real world. <laughs> so um, 
that was that was all last weekend, and now we can move into the preview of this upcoming weekend. Michigan will be in Columbia, South Carolina, taking on three different teams over four games at the Gamecock Invitational. They will see Liberty University twice, Iowa State once, and South Carolina once. South Carolina is the crown jewel of the weekend. They're 5-3 and three on the season. We're 22nd in RPI a year ago. A pretty solid team. Uh, they've played really well against bad teams and have struggled to hang with the big dogs when they've seen them. South Carolina was at Clearwater. Liberty and Iowa State were both around 50-ish in RPI a year ago. Both solid teams, not great, but also you know fine. Not 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 doormats, but also not teams that that Michigan should expect a, a super hard battle with. Um, this weekend, well, I don't I don't think is going to be as tough nearly as much as the next two. So this is an opportunity to bank some more wins for Michigan um, and Iowa State in particular. They're a team that the pitching has been good, the hitting not as much. Um, South Carolina, you could expect more hitting than pitching. Um, Liberty's a team Michigan should be able to handle. I mean, this is this is another weekend that Michigan should be able to to get through pretty pretty handily. But as we've seen the last couple of weeks, you have to be ready to play every game, and and you can't come out flat. You can't um, just you know not be prepared. And and we saw Michigan almost lose games to Louisville and Fresno State on these Sunday mornings where they've just struggle to be to be ready and and that's going to be you know keeping the energy high is going to be a key this weekend yeah undefeated looks good after the fact but uh, i mean you know michigan had a really tight win over unc and even the game that i went to uh you know four runs seems like a pretty nice cushion but i remember unc got a couple runners on with uh with one out and you know and Brittany pickett up to the plate you know that's only one swing of the bat away from making things Awful tight, awful fast. So unless the offense really has an awakening one through nine, um, there's definitely a chance Michigan drops one to the likes of an Iowa State or a Liberty. Yeah, obviously. for sure. Um, the there isn't a lot of coverage for this weekend. The South Carolina game will be on SEC Network Plus. Um, otherwise, no other streaming sites are listed. So. For Michigan softball fans, I might be out of luck. Um, but the good news is we can say that, as I mentioned on the last podcast, we will be at the Judy Garman Classic in Fullerton, California. That will be the next weekend. And then um, we are close to announcing more road trips in the coming weeks. We will update you when that happens. But for this weekend, we will all be huddled together as a United Softball Community refreshing stats websites and refreshing Twitter to follow these games. Um, unless you're in South Carolina, then uh, you can go to those games. But otherwise, we will just be tracking them from afar. Um, but Michigan will look to to continue to move to you know 13 and 0 from from 9 and 0 and and keep this momentum running. Do you want to make a prediction about whether we will see Chandler Dennis this weekend? Uh, no, I don't want to make a prediction about whether we'll see Chandler Dennis this weekend. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm leaning toward no, but that doesn't count as a prediction because I said I don't want to make one. Uh, I think Lexi Blair is going to hit 500 this weekend. Uh, there's one for you. I think Juju is going to leave the yard. Uh, open her, open her home run account. Um, and 
I think Michigan is going to lose to South Carolina, but no one else. All right, those you got decent enough takes in there. So, um, I I will be the optimistic one again. I will say four and zero. I'll say Morgan Overitis gets her first career homer, or not first career homer, first of the season homer. I was about to say she didn't go yard last year. Yeah, no, she did. Um, okay, good. Yeah, first of the season, and I'm trying to think of one other one other take I can throw out there. Um, you could go with the Nat Rod homer. That was a popular one for Kev. Yeah, and then it happened against Washington, which I don't believe he predicted. He no, not at all. He predicted many weekends, but not that one. Um, against Rutgers. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I'll. I'll say we get a another Abby Scafars uh, pinch hit RBI. She has two RBIs on the season and two hits. So um, I'll go with, with hot pinch hitting again. So that's the preview for the weekend. It's rather short. Um, this episode, obviously, these are early weekends are tough because we don't get to see a lot of these games. They play a lot of teams, so it's hard to focus on an extensive preview of each one. So... We made this episode a little bit shorter after two quite long episodes, and then we'll be back at it next weekend to uh, preview the Judy Garman. We'll talk about this past weekend, and then you know, pretty much from there we'll be covering almost every weekend. So these sorts of refreshing the stats feed weekends will, will come to an end after this one. So uh, that'll be exciting. Also, one other note, um, this episode is back on iTunes, which many of you will be listening to it through that. We had... An issue last week where the SoundCloud account we had been using to put uh, episodes onto iTunes was a free account created three years ago when the podcast was created, and it ran out of free uploads, and we had some issues with that. We decided to eventually just uh, make it a premium account, so thanks to everyone for their donations that has made that possible, so now things are back on iTunes, and we will not have any issue uh, with uploading in the near future. So that's cool. Um, thanks to everyone who has donated and who is considering doing so. You can always find us on wcbnsportsumish at gmail.com. You can also call into our fundraiser, which is going on right now until Sunday at 734-763-3500. Any lost thoughts, Morris? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, that's all out of thoughts. All right. Uh, that does it for this week. Uh, thanks to Mo for calling in. I'm Alex Drain, and until next week, we say good night and go blue.